Well, good morning, church family. It's good to be with you here this morning. Thank you, Pastor. Good to be with you here this morning. I would invite you to take your copy of the Lord's Word and turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, a passage that is familiar to many of you. As we conclude our series of this house, we have built the house. And I was actually looking at this just a second ago. Uh, you know, I may have to come up with another sermon uh, to go right there. But uh, anyway, this is it. Uh, the house is built. We've started all these different things that have built the house known as First Baptist Church, the things that make us who we are and who God has commanded us to be. And now we are speaking of the pinnacle. What God has made his church to be is to be a church which goes. In Matthew chapter 28, uh, we're going to be in specifically 16 through 20, uh, the bulk of which will come in verses 18 through 20. But this is what is known as the Great Commission. The Great Commission. When Jesus, before he left this world, left instructions for the mission for his church once he ascended to the throne. Uh, also, we're going to be in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. If you want to go ahead and be finding that, you can put your finger there or a little bookmark, and we will get to that shortly. But our main statement this morning is this, we are going, so let us be about making disciples. We are going, so let us be about making disciples. So before I read this this morning, the temptation is on familiar passages such as Matthew chapter 28 that we we kind of gloss over it like oh yeah we've heard that before it's kind of the same temptation you have with Sunday school literature is that you know when you're reading the the Sunday school guide or the quarterly or the grow group material you read the commentary you come to the scripture and it's like well I've been going to church for 30 years so I'll, I'll just skip that part and read the commentary the temptation is to to Fly over this and say, oh, I know what this says. But here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to try to put yourself where they were when they heard this commission and what was going on. What is the context of this situation? Well, first of all, Jesus has come. He has done ministry. He has healed the sick. He has given legs to the lame. He has opened the mouths of the mute, opened the ears of the deaf. He has even raised the dead and for all of these things the religious uh, community at the time was threatened by him because they were afraid of losing power so they put him to death but upon being put to death three days later you know the story he got up from the grave and not only did he get up from the grave he got up from the grave and started preaching and teaching he appeared to the disciples here. He appeared to the disciples there. We read about in the Gospel of Luke, the road to Emmaus experience, where he went on a seven-mile walk with disciples. We read about the disciples seeing Jesus in the upper room. We read about in the Gospel, not in the Gospels, but in the book of Acts, that he appeared to over 500 people at one time, most likely. That is um, potentially even this situation, but... Uh, Many think that that probably happened in Acts 1 and it's reflected on in 1 Corinthians. But he went about preaching and teaching and giving instructions. And we're going to see that today. So 
put yourself in their shoes. These people have seen him live, do ministry, die, and get up from the grave. And now, he is saying he is going away. And he is giving them instructions. And they're trying to understand what had just happened. I mean, imagine if your best friend died and somehow miraculously came back to life and began to spend time with you. Would you believe that the next step would be for them to go away? Well, that's what takes place here. Now, look in verse number 16. The word of our Lord says this. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. So here's our story. The disciples, and most likely most biblical commentators believe that it was beyond the 11 disciples here. They are with Jesus, and lo and behold, they are on a mountain. This is a reoccurring theme that occurs all the way through the scripture from the original mountain garden scene that we have in Eden where they are told to be fruitful and multiply and spread the image of God all over the earth. Now here we are in this recommissioning on this new mountain. Unlike the old, this new mountain is going to spread the glory of God in a different way. It's not a mountain challenge to go have children. It is a mountain challenge to go make disciples so he says something here the writer that maybe catches you by surprise notice it says and when they saw him they worshiped him but some doubted some doubted now i've struggled with that i mean you are literally looking if you're there you're looking at a man that you know was crucified and raised from the dead, and he is standing right in front of you. And some of them doubted, is this really happening? Not only is this really happening, is this really the way? Is this really the way? Well, friends, let me tell you the reason why I think it's so today. The first one is this. If you were going to save the world, how would you save it? If you were going to save the world, how would you save it? I mean, here Jesus is after he has risen from the grave. All authority is his. And the first thing he says is, let's go on a mission trip. What? What about all those people that just wronged you? What about the corruption in the religious establishment? What about all the governing corruption in the world, Jesus? Surely we're going to do something about that, right? Well, for many of us, if we were going to save the world, it wouldn't be through a mission. Or specifically missions as we understand them. 
Frankly, we would be thinking about something about justice. Well, the people who've messed this up, the people who put you to death, Jesus, the people who've been on our tails, we need to bring them to justice. And if we could just eliminate them, we'd have a better world. We need justice. But then there are others that might think, no, no, it's not through justice. What we need is the government. What we need is we need to form a new government here. And now because Christ has come, all authority has been given to him. A government which honors him above all and does good for all people and establishes peace and all of that stuff. Some thought maybe that's what needs to be done. In their day, it would be a government that would kick out the Romans. And it would be a government, so to speak, that would get rid of all of the malpractice and the corruption and all of those things but Jesus doesn't establish a new government and then others and by the way you've seen all these through church history uh, a focus on justice a focus on government and also through conquest through conquest maybe there are some that think well now that Jesus has gotten up from the grave now is time for us to seize the kingdom Let's take it by force. Let's push back the enemies of God. Let's do this. Let's march under his banner. We will be able to save the world. Perhaps you've heard the term Pax Romana. It's known as Roman peace. It is the season of peace of which Jesus was born into in the first century that began during the reign of Caesar Augustus and lasted a little longer after his death but during the Pax Romana it's known as a time of peace and tranquility in the world where there were no major wars fought but do you know how the Pax Romana came to be the Romans through conquest killed everybody and after they killed everybody nobody wanted to fight anymore that's how Pax Romana came to be so there are some that might just say, well, listen, if the Romans can do it, we can do it. Let's just go on conquest and then we can make a new nation, a new government, a new kingdom where God's going to be king and rules and laws that only honor him. But that's not what Jesus does. Maybe they were doubting because we know that the disciples were looking for a kingdom. In fact, we're going to look in the uh, book of uh, Acts here, I want you to take in your scripture and turn to Acts chapter 1 and verse number 6. Leading up to Acts chapter 1, it's just the first few verses, it's talking about how Jesus has been teaching them and he's been teaching them for 40 days providing for them proves that he is indeed the son of God. But look in verse number six. So when they had come together, this is, by the way, right before Jesus goes to heaven. This is like literally the exit scene. When they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Well, what does that look like? Well, that looks like justice, that looks like government, and that certainly looks like conquest. Lord, at this time, will you restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you 
to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you, this is for you, is what he's saying, will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What I want you to see here is that Jesus chose to use people. Jesus chose to use people. If you were going to save the world, you probably would use people too. But Jesus chose to use people not to establish justice government or send them on conquest, but to give them a message and send them on a mission. The second thing I want you to ask this morning is this, is if you were going to tell the world something, how would you tell it? If we indeed have this message that Jesus is the Savior of all of the world, for everyone's sin, it is the, he is the only way to be reconciled to God. If you were commissioned to go and tell that message, how would you do it? Some would say, well, through signs and wonders. Like, for instance, could you imagine if the church, now I do believe signs and wonders occur even to this day, things are inexplicable, but what I'm saying is if could you imagine what church would look like if miracles occurred on a regular basis as they did in the life and the ministry of Jesus? People would probably show up here just like they showed up to hear Jesus speak, just to see what he would do, just to see the show. See, the temptation is, is that, well, gosh, if we really want to save the world and if we have this message, like, how are we going to get it out you know, if I were Jesus, I would use a bunch of signs and miracles because that would really get people's attention. Well, we have four Gospels that tell us it does get people's attention, but they just never stick around. And then others might say, well, through angels. What about angelic visitation? Or we had angels flying in the sky and that presented the Gospel, then people would see and hear that and know, wow, this truly is the message because how can you argue with angels? Well, people received angelic visitation even in the scripture, and then sometimes it doesn't really stick. People who claim to have angelic experiences today, and then sometimes what happens in their life doesn't really stick. Why is it? Because when something happens like that that's supernatural, there's always a question in the back of your mind. Did that really happen? Or did I eat something? Maybe it's through dreams and visions. And by the way, I believe all these things happen. I believe God works through signs and wonders and God can send angels. And I believe God works through dreams and visions. One of the things that I love sitting down with my friends that especially, I've got two friends who are missionaries in the Middle East and they've encountered this firsthand where people who've never heard the name of Christ were given dreams and visions or Jesus visited them in a dream or an angel and told them the gospel message even before the missionary got there. And then once the missionary got there, was able to tell the gospel message, and they say, we've heard about this. I believe it happens, but that's not the primary way. Yeah, God can do whatever God wants to do, but that's not the commission. If we were going to tell the world, we would probably say some signs and wonders, 
Let's get a, let's get a few, you know, uh, uh, armies of angels, and then let's send everyone dreams and visions. That's how we're going to get the message out. But you know what Jesus chose? Not only did he choose people, he chose to get the message out through personal relationships. Personal relationships. I want you to look back at Matthew 28, and I want you to look specifically at 18 and 19. It says this, and Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. I want you to think about that. All authority in heaven on earth, heaven and earth, that means he commands the angels. He can do whatever sign and wonder he wants to do. And that also means he can send dreams and visions because he has authority on both sides, the supernatural and the natural. But he chooses to tell it. And he chooses the telling of his mission and his gospel not to occur through those things, but to occur through people. And before I go to principle number three, I want you to look at verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Principle number three is this. Jesus has chosen the world. By the way, before you all get too excited, you're like, he's on principle number three. I'm going to ask a couple people to come up here and help me. So don't think the sermon's going to end just yet. You're like, oh, Jesus, it is a sign and wonder. All right, but don't get too excited. There's more to come here. But Jesus has chosen to save the world through our telling his story as we are going. In verse number 19, it says, go, therefore. Now, you've probably learned this already, but the first true verb in Matthew 28, verse 19, is the verb to make disciples. To make disciples. Now, when you read it, we read it as, well, the first verb is to go. Well, Rather, that's more of an acknowledgement of what's going to happen. First of all, remember where they are. They're on a mountain. They're looking at Jesus. Perhaps this is the same mountain of the ascension. Perhaps this is the same mountain that we read about in Acts chapter uh, 1 and verse number 6, where Jesus is going to ascend into heaven. Perhaps this is the same mountain. We don't know, but they're there. And Jesus is saying, listen... You're not going to stay here. You're going to go. You're going to go. Why? Because everybody goes. You don't stay in one spot. And here's the commission. As you are going, I want you to make disciples. Jesus has chosen to save the world through our telling his story as we are going. Friends, I do not have to give you a commission today to go. Because I promise you when the final amen is said right here this morning and after we say the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, no one is going to stay seated in this room. You all are going to go to the next thing, whether it be grow group, whether it be to the Waffle House or wherever it is you do on Sunday morning. 
you are going to go. You are not going to stay because we are already a going people. We don't stay in one spot. Our life is already about going. Matthew 28 is not to have a life about going. It's to have a purpose for the going as you go in this life. Friends, we are to live as a going people right where we are. We are to live as a going people right where we are. What does this mean for you and me? That means that this great commission that we are to go and make disciples, that as we are going to our homes, to our family get-togethers, to the ball field, to the workplace, across the street to our neighbor, walking to another part of town as we go to Walmart, or wherever it is that you shop, when you go on vacation, when you travel, as you are going, here's what Jesus is saying. Everywhere you go, be on mission and be about making disciples. Making disciples. Well, what are disciples? Well, disciples are those who follow Jesus. So essentially what we're supposed to do is we're to multiply what God has made us to be. We're to be a follower of Jesus. So that means as we are going, we should look like it and act like it and talk like it. And not be afraid to uh, invite others to be a part of what God is doing in us. Or to live as a going people right where we are. But we are also to be a going people to the ends of the earth. You know, because you might be thinking, well, goodness. We've got this nice, beautiful brochure about going. There's airplanes on the front. And Brother Matt just said that uh, all we have to do is be on mission. We don't have to travel or go anywhere. Oh, but Matthew 28 is not the only commission. There's more. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 6 through 8. I've already read it, but I'm going to read it to you. This is verse number 8 specifically. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And as you are going, this whole be my witnesses from Matthew 28 is picked up in Acts chapter 1. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which for them was their hometown. And in all Judea and Samaria, which for them that would have been their county, their state, their region. And to the ends of the earth. And what that meant for them was everywhere the map led and then beyond it. When you look at these two things and you see them in tandem. You see the commission that we are given from our Lord. That as we are going, whether it be across the street and around the corner. Or whether it be on an airplane to the other side of the world. We are called to be on mission. As a time of uh, transition before we have an invitation, we are blessed here today. I'm going to ask a couple of people to come up, several people to come up here. Charlie and Teresa Sealing, if you would come at this time. Also, Pastor Lee, they're going to come up here. Pastor Lee's going to talk with us real quick about this brochure. And then Charlie and Teresa are going to share with us. If you do not know Charlie and Teresa, first of all, they... Um, uh, are recently returned from the mission field after giving 
over 25 years, is that correct? Was it 27? Almost 30 years in Japan as, as missionaries. And how many of you all here in this room went to, has gone to Japan to do ministry with the ceilings? That is wonderful. And there are others in the other service as well. But, um, and then also, if you do not know who this other man is, this is Pastor Lee. He is our executive pastor. And uh, somebody asked, I was in the office this week, and somebody who was uh, new to our church came in and they saw him. They said, uh, who is he? I said, oh, <laughs> he's the boss. And, um, and uh, they said, oh, well, then what do you do here? I said, whatever he tells me to do. <laughs> but not only does he keep our pencil sharp and make sure we're doing what we're supposed to do, Pastor Lee has a huge heart for missions, and he leads our missions ministry here. So I just want to ask them just a few questions this morning, and I'm going to begin with Pastor Lee. Pastor Lee, as we've looked at this morning, that being on mission talks about not just going where we are, but being willing to go even to the ends of the earth. What are we looking at this morning here? What is this that is inside our bulletin? I am so glad you asked. Okay, good. You know, pastors, I was looking at this house, this, this uh, display that we've had here. You know, we talked about putting some shingles on it maybe and some trim and some stain and stuff. And but I'm glad it's unfinished this morning because it symbolizes to me that we, we do all the right things in this house and among this body, but our task is not finished. The house is not done uh, with what Jesus has called us to do. And so in this book, um, this is not an exhaustive listing of everywhere that we're engaged and involved, uh, whether it's locally. Many of you do things that I learn about weekly. And, uh, but what you have here is, as you flip through it, you're going to have some some guidelines that's going to help you understand what it takes to go to certain places. But as you get deeper into the book, you're going to see opportunities that are local, that are weekly. Some are once a year. Some are monthly. Some are Wednesday nights when kids are screaming and we need more ESL workers. There's Parkgate Pregnancy Center here. Um, there's lots of local. It's when the church here goes out in the community uh, and reaches outward. There's also national experiences, things across uh, our nation where we have partnerships. As I mentioned earlier, we had a team that just returned from Maine after midnight last night where they served. Uh, what we've tried to do is put together uh, opportunities that there's something for everybody to be involved with. We understand God's not called everybody to the uttermost, but he's called all of us to do something. And so um, whether it's local national or international. There are international experiences listed here. And one in particular on the national level. As you look to the very center of the book later today, you'll see a picture of Hawaii. Just this past year, uh, our, our Hawaii team was able to go to Wakaloa Church. That church had struggled. They've been through five pastors in probably the last six years. Hmm. And there's a couple there now from Mantachi, Mississippi, Rebecca and Trent, struggling to come out of a pandemic, struggling to survive, and really running anywhere from 10 to 15 people um, on a good Sunday. This is a church that had had upwards of 150 people, but just all the given 
uh, it, it didn't, it wasn't going well. But because the team from First Baptist Tupelo went, um, they're running upwards of 40, 50, even 60, 80 has been a high. Because the kids came to Bible school, but parents came too. And the first night, the parents dropped the kids off and left. But by, fr by Friday, by Thursday night, the parents were there engaging with our adults, engaging with people from the church. And so it's helped that church reconnect in, in a lot of ways. Um, Eight Days of Hope is mobilizing today to South Florida. But there's opportunities in other parts of, of uh, our country related to Eight Days of Hope. And then internationally, um, there's many opportunities uh, to serve. And um, one thing I want to say is that this booklet is not a booklet that's put together by your staff for you to respond to. This booklet is put together as a result of how God has moved among our church family and created partnerships and friendships and bonds that will last through eternity. This is a response to where God has touched your hearts and developed relationships with partners around the world and we are just blessed as a staff to be able to come alongside of you and equip you to be on mission to help fulfill this task that Pastor Matt has talked about this morning. And so uh, I just want to say thank you, church, for what you do missionally. I heard just this week that the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that we'll soon take in December, they just announced this week that it's the largest offering ever received for international missions. And so, um, as you look at the, the back, uh, the task of carrying the gospel to the nations is unfinished. The call, as Pastor Matt has affirmed this morning, is still alive. And the command is to go and make disciples. And as you are going, whether you're going to Kroger today or you're going to Zimbabwe next week, make disciples of all nations. Thank you, Pastor Lee. Uh, I, Charlie and Teresa have served so faithfully for years, and uh, they have hosted short mission trip journeys. Charlie, this question is for you. Um, I have two desk, two not two desk, two books on my desk that I've received in the last six months. And of these, one is that um, there are two things that seminary graduates do. Uh, they either do ministry or they write books about how other people should do ministry so and anyway one book talks about that how um, missions short-term missions is just a glorified travel agency and it's very critical of the model of people going and it just said we shouldn't be going we should rather be sending money to the field and then letting them do the work because it'd be better use of the funds and then the other book by someone who's very smart too, says, oh no, one of the most disastrous things you could do is just send money to the field. In fact, that kind of giving hurts because it's giving with, given without parameters. And I was just sitting there, I was looking at both of these books, and I was like, now both of these people can't be right. I want to talk to somebody this morning. You've been there, you're on the field, you've worked with the national pastors, you've worked with nas the national people, and also you have hosted people from churches for short-term mission journeys. What value is it for you as a missionary 
to have a short-term mission team come and serve alongside of you? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, and I think um, there's, there's got to be something in between, right? right. It's got to be kind of a both-and, because uh, we live in a world that is driven by finances. You can't move until you kind of have those finances, so that's good, but there's a, there's a thing at the IMB, too, is do we just send short-term missionaries and not have long-term people like Teresa and I stay on the ground and continue? So I always like um, the analogies from the scripture. We see it in Luke 8 and Matthew 13 of the farmer who goes out and sows the seed. And, um, you know, seeing cotton in this area is kind of a culture shock for me. I'm from Oklahoma. I see a lot of wheat fields, not cotton fields, but the same premises is there. You have to have laborers in the field. You have to have people that go and sow that. So, Matt, your, the answer to your question would be you may go thinking, wow, um, look, we're going to Japan. I think I can raise money, and I've never been to Japan. But uh, or, I guarantee or Hawaii. you. Or Hawaii. Yeah. Let's go. I feel called already. Let's go. Yeah. Go to Hawaii. <laughs> uh, and, and you may have that heart at first, but... Man, I tell you, once you get there, the, the experience we've had with volunteers come, um, you know, Japan is really high in the pulp culture area. And so a lot of people will come because they love the manga, the anime. Um, they may uh, just have followed the Japanese culture. And so they come um, somewhat for the wrong reasons. But, you know, God does amazing things once their heart gets there. You know, Japan is 99% lost, and I'm rounding up. So our strategy is to get you face-to-face -face with someone who's never heard the name of Jesus Christ. And I guarantee you, you, you do that one time in our engagement strategy, you, you kind of forget that you're there for manga reasons or right. for the pulp culture reasons. You're, you, God reminds you, the Spirit reminds you that you're out there to sow seeds amongst the people, the gospel seed, and allow the Holy Spirit then to guide that. Teams that come, um, we have a, a really um, intentional strategy, and um, I remind us that, I remind the team that sometimes when Teresa are there by ourselves, we're just kind of fishing with a pole, um, but when teams come, and with our strategy, we really cast a net. We really broad seed sowing, or we cast that net to see what's there. And when a team leaves and they're out there doing our engaged strategy and we have certain kind of filters that they can come and party with us, some game parties, some international friendship parties, and we can um, study English, there's something that comes out of that group. Normally, anywhere from three to five people that want to go deeper. They know we're Christians. They see the love we have for them, and, and they want to know what more about what that is. Something like that that takes within just weeks to find those five would probably take somewhere to four to five months for Teresa and I to, mm -hmm. to do that same thing. So um, to go on a team like that has a great value of mm -hmm. sowing seeds. Amen. Thank you, Charlie. Uh, Teresa, one of the things that the ceilings have blessed me with through, as you all, through the years, if you all have been on furlough and if you've come home to Tupelo and now Tupelo is your home, is that not only is your heart there, is that when you all came here, I remember like you had been here a, a week and a half and you're at ESL ministry. And by the way, that's English as a second language because one of the things that has happened in Tupelo 
is the, the nations have come here. Like, if y'all, I don't know if anybody goes to the mall anymore, but if you go to the mall on the weekend, it looks like the United Nations. I'm serious. Like, not, not everybody even speaks English. It is absolutely amazing how the face of our, our city and our region is changing. A lot of that has to do with Toyota. A lot of that has to do with other businesses that have brought in people from all over the world. And now there's, this, there, there's people who live in our city from Latin America. There's people who live in our city from China. There's people who live in our city from the Middle East. Um, so Teresa now is a, yes, not missionary not living in Japan, but now is a missionary living here in Tupelo. How can you encourage our folks not in the sense of just going off and going abroad, like, of what importance is it to be on mission here? Well, that's a really good question. I'm, I'm learning a lot about Mississippi culture, just to let you know that my grandnephew asked me when I was going to learn Mississippian. Yeah. So, because I'm, I'm not, I learned Japanese, now I have to learn Mississippian, so it's yeah. <laughs> so cute. But you know, I mean, the Lord is so good to us to bring missions wherever we are. And where we see him at work and we join him. If he's at work right here and he is, we join him. And I think for me, I will never stop going. I will never stop going in the sense of going to tell the story that changed my life. And so I think here in Tupelo, just yesterday, I was out and about and had an opportunity. I met a lady and able to share the gospel with her, a young lady. And, you know, they're right there. If you're sitting there getting your nails done or your hair done, you can share the gospel. You know, the gospel has come to you. But I also think in our community, I think our neighbors, we're so excited about meeting our neighbors. And I think we need to be able to take that story that has forever changed our lives and we need to go and to tell it. And I think whenever you do that, I will, Charlie and I will testify, both of us will. The first time you share the gospel, boy, you, it lights your fire. And you're ready to continue to share the gospel. Because everyone around you and in your own life, there is something going on in your life. And in many cases, it's not good for so many people. And they just need someone to love them and serve them well. So, Pastor Matt, it is my goal and my dream to be able to love and serve the people well. And you know my heart is for Japan. So I'm searching out Japanese people you know, to share the gospel with them. They are here. And they are here. I've already had them into my home already. Some of them, so i got somebody coming Tuesday. But, you know, they're here. Open your home to these people. I met Louis and his sister, Laura, that have only been in, the, in, the, in Tupelo for three months. They're young kids, and their parents are here. It's an opportunity for you to, they will come to your home if you invite them. And it doesn't have to be anything fancy, but just reach out to show that helping hand, just to, just to meet them, give them a smile, say hello to them. And even if their English is broken, it's okay because they know that you care about them the minute that smile comes out and you just reach out to them. So, Pastor Matt, I don't know if that answered your question, but, man, I have a heart. I have a heart for the gospel, and we want to see Tupelo. We want to see people back in church, and we want to see new people coming. So we're looking forward to doing that together. Thank y'all for sharing. Can y'all thank them this morning? Thank you for sharing. Just as a closing out this morning, this could end up in your car. This could end up in the pew. This could end up 
in the garbage, whatever. It's just a publication. But don't let that be where your heart ends up on this issue. Everyone here in this room can be a part of something inside of this book. Whether it's baking cookies when we do across the street and around the corner, whether it's, and we're going to be talking about this in weeks to come, I believe we have, uh, if my understanding is politics is correct, the last fallback. I think there's been a vote to do away with daylight saving. Is that true? I've heard that. But if so, the last fallback occurs this November. It's the last time you'll ever get, November the 3rd, you'll ever get an hour back. And we are going to have a specific service that day at the Bancourt South Arena instead of having services here where I'm going to share the gospel, an opportunity for you to invite someone to church to come and hear the gospel. My point is this, friends, all of these things in this house come to this pinnacle. Jesus, after he did everything, after he talked about loving, after he talked about believing, after he talked about worship, the very last thing he says before he leaves is now go and tell other people about it. Go, go as you are going and make disciples. Don't let this fall on deaf ears. Take this, pray about this, ask, Lord, how would you have me to be involved, whether it's around the world or whether it's right here, whether it's on a weekly basis or just one time a year, Lord, this year, how would you have me be involved to be on mission here as a member of First Baptist Church of Tupelo? As we move.